This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This podcast is produced by podcastandradio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. Jen T. Grace is a nationally recognized business strategist, speaker, and author. Guided by the mantra, change happens in business, Jen believes social change happens first in the workplace before spilling over into mainstream society. She's a best-selling author and has been featured in Forbes, The Huffington Post, The Hartford Current, and on CNBC, and she's passionate about helping people share their stories of adversity. Jen is the founder of the Authors Academy and Publish Your Purpose Press. Jen T. Grace, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. It's great being here. So we talked offline about how many interesting and fascinating directions a week ago on the short time we have together, but I wanted to start with your story. I know you're someone, you know, you work with authors and speakers and thought leaders, the power of stories so much, but you have a story too. And it ultimately, today, you're running two companies uh, that are very different in their mix and, you know, what's required of you as the, uh, the, the founder and the head of these two businesses. So I know there's some differences there. Well, let's start with the story. What led to the creation of the Authors Academy and Publish Your Purpose Press? Oh, that's always such a good question. So basically, I have been a consultant for about 10 years, consulting in many different kind of forms and fashions, but primarily around the LGBTQ market. So that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer market. Mm -hmm. And in my travels and speaking to both large corporations, nonprofits, small business, wherever I was, I found that my story was the thing that really hooked people in immediately for them to basically understand where I was coming from in the ways in which my approach around the market were. So a very abridged version is basically that I had an experience at an employer where I was discriminated in the workplace. And at the same time, we were trying to market to the LGBTQ community. And there's just a a big disconnect when you're not treating your employees fairly. And at the same time, you're trying to attract people who, you know, reflect what those, you know, who those employees are. So I had to try to reconcile kind of operating in both of these places. It just didn't work. So that's kind of what formed my consulting company company. And in that, I realized that I needed more than just being able to kind of say I was discriminated at work and this is why I did this. So I started to tell my story really strategically and I wrote my first book and that was back in 2013. 
Then I wrote another one, which was 2014, and then another one and another one. So I now have four books specifically around the LGBTQ market, and that's how I built my thought leadership platform. And in my consulting work, I started to take on private coaching clients because there was a lot of LGBTQ people who were doing really awesome things, but they just needed someone to help kind of give them that business guidance and strategy to figure out how they were going to grow and scale. So one day I was looking at all the authors that I was I mean, all of the uh, the coaches that I was working with, mm-hmm. and I saw a pattern, and the pattern was that the people that I was so inspired by, and I wanted nothing more than to see them succeed, mm-hmm. they were all working on books, and I hadn't noticed that pattern. It took probably a good two years before I even noticed that there was a pattern there. And that's kind of the uh, the impetus for the Authors Academy because I was really kind of consulting with them one-on-one saying, you know, if you want to tell your story and write a book and use the the stories within your book as part of your speaking platform and your consulting platform, you know, I was giving them all this guidance. And then other people would say, you know, I know that you wrote four books. Can you show me how you did it? Oh, wow. And, yeah. you know, I decided, let me try to create a scalable product, which is yeah. the Authors Academy, where I can teach people how to write their stories in a really constructive way that that are going to benefit their business. From there, I had people go through the academy and they're like, I know you just taught me how to do this, but can you actually do it for me? That's why (laughs) I know how to company. <laughs> so and you could say that the consulting uh, company actually is a feeder. I, I don't know if I like that word so much, but it, it leads to the manifestation of the book and there you become a publisher and you're actually distributing it and helping them do exactly that. Create the platform from the book and integrate in that way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment. The one thing that I always like to make clear is that even though my work, because I still do have the LGBTQ consulting company, sure. that does not mean that my authors and our authors within Publisher Purpose Press are only LGBTQ people. We have a wide range of authors that we serve, and it's probably about forty percent of our authors are part of the community, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, and you know, sixty percent are straight people, allies. Uh, you know, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah I, I, we're really super inclusive, and we really focus on people who have diverse stories or stories of adversity. And sometimes it's the stuff that people want to write about, but other publishers are afraid to tackle the topic. So that's the kind of stuff that I love doing. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These can be difficult topics. Um, The the launch of all of this for you, Jen, was really born in, I I don't know if trauma is the word, but it was this this situation you found yourself in. And uh, so often that's the case. You know, I've talked to so many business owners where where something happened or there was an inciting circumstance or a set of conditions leading to the creation of of their true purpose, what they really, really want to be doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, you're no exception. So when we talk about cultivating personal brand, how do you like to approach that? I'm sure it sounds like you do a lot of one-on-one and certainly each situation and condition is different, but how do you like to start or how do you like to help people cultivate their own personal brand and then get it out to market? You know, I think personal branding is the foundation for all thought leadership. I, I personally really believe that. I was actually at a conference on Friday doing a presentation around personal branding and how that leads into to thought leadership and all of this stuff. I think the, you know, the first step I always tell people to take is to just start thinking about, you know, who they are and what they stand for. Like, what do you stand for at the core of your being? And if you don't know, ask people who know you, ask people who work with you, ask colleagues, family, whomever it is, and try to kind of piece together that puzzle of who you are and how you're going to position yourself in the world. And I think once people start to figure that out, 
it it starts to kind of trickle into, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, I really love doing this and that's actually already part of my business. So like, how do I, how do I find a way to double down on doing more of that stuff that I really enjoy doing? And then starting to figure out how to weave in the story to use their story as that thought leader platform. A lot of our authors come to us and they've already done a ton of speaking. All of our authors are also public speakers. There's really no exception to that. Wow. And they're out there. They're already kind of, you know, they've done TED Talks and they've, you know, spoke at colleges, universities, corporations, wherever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And it's usually people in their audience who are saying, do you have a book? You know, do you have a book? From a public speaking standpoint, having a book is a huge, huge benefit. So it all kind of ties together. I don't know if I directly answered your question, but it all, in my mind anyway, it seems very interconnected between personal branding, speaking, thought leadership, and authorship. Yeah, so this is a cultivation was at the core of the question, but all of these things are kind of, it's all about all of this and integrating it, and the way you integrate it is really sort of the magic in terms of the your two businesses, you as a brand, and how it all works together, so I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It seems like the writing, the actual doing the writing of a book can help with a lot of this. Do you do you see that happen as well, where the process of writing helps them cutify their 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 own personal brand and ask some of the questions that you help them learn to ask themselves when cultivating their brand? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that a lot of times we're so used to telling our story in some sort of like succinct abridged version. Because unless you're sitting down with a you know a one-on-one meeting and you know, you're spending hours telling each other a about your past and your lives. So when you're writing a book, it's kind of that opportunity to really elongate your story and go deeper into different pieces of your story. So for me, if I'm saying part of my story was being discriminated against at work, and I personally, one of my missions is to make sure that no one is feeling that discrimination in the workplace, whether it's based on their sexual orientation or their race or disability or whatever it is. For me, it's just making sure that the discrimination is kind of removed. So for me, I can go deeper in my book on why discrimination based on race is really important to me, not just LGBT. But in a speaking engagement, chances are I'm probably only going to be covering that LGBT piece Mm -hmm. based on the audience and who's hired me. So when it comes to a book, you have these opportunities to really go deep and narrow into things that you really truly believe and as such, it helps you refine what you're talking about and potentially, and most often, create multiple different other speaking, you know, speaking topics and paths and opportunities. Jen, I'm curious about, there's so much discrimination and so much anger and so much, I'll just call it this collective stress response to being human on the planet right now. What's your take on what's going on? Do you know? <laughs> I wish I wish I knew. I, I really wish I knew. But, you know, it's it's this people being under stress that I think makes it even more important now for people to be telling their stories. Because I think that for so long, and I've been at least telling my story for at least a decade, wow. but I think a lot of people are now stepping up saying, you know, I'm a woman of color and I need for other women of color who are younger than me to see me and see me successful to go from A to B. So that way they see that kind of career path or that, you know, entrepreneurial path. Yeah. Ahead of them. Yeah. So for me, you know, like I thought 
thought about it. Like, okay, I can be out there standing on a stage. I can speak in front of 5,000 people, 10,000 people, whatever it is. And I am making an impact on the lives of the people in that audience. But my strength personally is kind of being the, the woman behind the curtain, like in the wizard of Oz, where I'm just orchestrating everything, but no one sees me. And that's my role as a publisher. So I, as a person who's not a woman of color, I can work with women of color. I can work with men of color. I can work with LGBTQ people. I can work with women generally, and I can help them share their stories who are going to impact their community. So my impact isn't just the 5,000 people that I'm directly speaking in front of. It's now, you know, millions of people because of the the authors and speakers that we're helping refine and articulate their message to help their audiences. Ex- so I think that more people want that because of this very hostile climate that we're in right now. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love this idea of you're, you're really the amplifier behind the curtain, <laughs> that, that Wizard of Oz factor. And I have a bit of that in my life. And so I understand where we're working mm-hmm. with people that we're really about helping and supporting what they want to do. And Somehow there's this gift that you have where you can both be facing an audience with your own brand, your own persona, your own ideas, book, the themes, everything, and also do the same behind the curtain. It's such a beautiful, and this really describes the sort of this counterpoint between the two businesses you have in a certain way, doesn't it? Yeah. And it, for me, I just, I think like all entrepreneurs, and I know that that's the audience listening and small business owners, that I yeah. think that we all like variety. We all like, you know, a, to right. do different things. So right. for me, you know, like on Friday of last week, I was at uh, a conference speaking about personal branding and thought leadership and, you know, getting super engaged and energized. Yeah. And then on Monday, I was in a different city speaking to a corporate client of mine around LGBT strategy. So to me, it's like I get the best of both because, you know, today, after this, I have calls with our authors. I met with new authors that we you know, just brought on yesterday morning. So to me, oh, like beautiful. it's all about that kind of, it just, it adds variety. And I think that a lot of us who run small businesses or even solopreneurs who don't have teams, you know, like if we don't have variety, things get stale and it's like, well, we could, you know, if things are going to be stale, may as well be employed by somebody else and have less stress. Well, you know? exactly. This is the part of the thing we love about doing small businesses. The, it, it does afford us this kaleidoscopic approach to living every day is a little bit different. Every client's a little bit different. I certainly encountered that when I was composing music for a living. I mean, each gig had its own color, its own nuance, its own client, its own uh, MO in terms of what we were trying to do with the marketing messaging uh, and the music attached to it. So I totally get that. And I, and you're right. I think we feed on that as well. Many of us do. And of course, we can go to the dark side of that where we're into the shiny, <laughs> into the shiny object and there's too much variety. And, and you know, the, I think for a lot of us, there may be this sort of constant rebalancing and rebalancing, kind of like a violinist has to continually tune even while they're playing the note. You know, there's like this, mm. this this way that we have to continually tune that so that we're not allowing our creative gut level responsivity to stimulus misguide us, right? Is that something you've, ever, you've thought about? Uh, I think about that all the time because the nuances between running a consulting company and running a publishing company could not be any more drastic if I tried. And I did not realize that. And I actually said this, I was speaking yesterday about authorship and I said this in front of the the room because it was also small business owners. I said, you know, if I knew what running a publishing company was before I decided to start one, I probably wouldn't have done it because the nuances are so different from a consulting Mm. standpoint from staff to uh, cash flow to profitability to just all of those things that we have to think about constantly. So it is a, a constant kind of rebalancing and you know making sure that you're you're 
pointing toward that North Star and whatever that North Star means to you, because for everyone, it's a little bit different. Absolutely. Uh, designing the, the business, the engine, where is it pointing? I love that North Star idea. That's beautiful because of the mm. singularity of it. You know, sometimes we're just diffused with it. We have six goals uh, for the week or six goals for the year or whatever it is, and, and we're trying to simultaneously run them on uh, parallel tracks. It's nice to have a North Star. Gen yes. T Gray. So the, the <laughs> website is Publish Your Purpose Press. Dot com. Such an apt title for the publishing company. Publish your purpose press. It's what we all want to do right now. Jen, the consulting. So many consultants that I've talked to are like, maybe frustrated is a bit strong, but they're at capacity and they don't know how to scale their consulting business. So I did want to dig a little bit into, let's sort of unpack how do you approach consulting? Do you have products that duplicate yourself or is it a very hands-on kind of endeavor one-on-one you're doing speaking of course maybe that's a different facet of it all but talk to us about how you sort of you consulting business uh the framework of it works yeah i think all consulting companies are a little bit different for me on my consulting side of the business it's myself and then i have like two half people who are doing (laughs) different types of you know administrative stuff behind the scenes or marketing related stuff behind the scenes versus the publishing company where it's myself and there's like nine of us and And so for the consulting side of things, you know, I know a lot of companies who, you know, their name will be the brand and they have a lot of different, you know, senior consultants that are working under them. That's not my model. My model is basically just me. And when I have an inquiry that comes in that is not directly in my wheelhouse, which happens to be LGBTQ strategy, primarily around a focus of marketing and communications related strategy. So it's not the execution of work. It's not, it's more of how do we make sure that the internal communications are working, the external communications are working, everything's really in harmony. And there are a lot of consultants out there that can help or a lot of marketing agencies that can help on all that execution. So for me, I have strategic partnerships with a lot of different individuals. When something comes in and they say that they're looking for, you know, some, they want to do some kind of ad campaign that gears toward the LGBTQ community. That is not something I would do, but I know three people who are perfect for it. So I basically then become the connector and the conduit for the organizations that I'm working with on that strategy level. And it's not, you know, and there's other organizations out there that I know they have like the referral fees that are all kind of built in or they have a markup or there's just a lot of different ways to do it. For me, I just prefer simplicity and I have my list of preferred vendors that I like for different reasons. And I just, you know, I just pass it along to them and I know that they do the same for me. So it works out really well without getting into the complicated bookkeeping on the back end. All right, cool. So it's really you uh, doing the work of the work of a consultant. And so I'm clear. So it's not the marketing side so much in the messaging. It's more the internal operational issues around diversity that you might help develop and cultivate within an organization. Do I have that right? Yeah. And it's not diversity broadly. It's really narrow in the LGBTQ space. I okay. certainly have a lot of experience in diversity, but there are other consultants out there that know that way better than I do. So okay. those are other examples where I would you know, pass that off. But right, you know, cool. I was just with a client on Monday and we were focusing, we were doing focus groups of internal, having internal people you know, talking about what their needs are to reach this market. So I help them really kind of create the business case to then kind of, you know, the marketing department, HR, whomever it is, help them create the business case to go to the C-suite and say, this is why this is important. This is what we need to do. Okay. Beautiful. Jen T. Grace, publishyourpurposepress.com. Is there a website for the consultancy as well that we should mention? 
There is. It's uh, Jen with two N's, tgrace.com. Thanks, Jen. We'll do this again for sure. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.